I'm excited, uh, really, because now I've put together the outlines uh, as we begin in the new year, because uh, uh, we have been uh, addressing this topic all year long, faith and discipline. So guess what? We're going to address this topic for the next four years, as near as I can figure it. Uh, <laughs> we started with the disciplines of our faith. Which are, are the, the rudimentary things that God has given for and provided for us to engage in every single day, whether we, we feel like it or not. There are certain things that in our relationship with God, God expects us to engage in every day. Uh, God uses those disciplines in our lives to grow us, to refine us, to, to make us more like his son Jesus. And then we looked at Ecclesiastes, which quite honestly is simply a bad example of faith. Solomon messed things up, just so y'all know. Solomon started out great, but man. And then we looked at Romans, which I've sort of uh, identified as, as the definition of our faith. Uh, it, it defines our identity in Christ. It actually tells us who we are, okay? And now we're in the book of Hebrews. And, and what I realized in going through Romans and Hebrews is, is that 13 weeks is not enough time for either of those books. Uh, so we're going to take them apart little bit by little bit in the years ahead. And next year we're going to start with Hebrews. Because quite honestly, I've decided that the book of Hebrews is really a book about the object of our faith, who we believe in, and how, how the writer of Hebrews uh, gives us the, uh, the, the supremacy, the superiority of Christ as Messiah, and then the, the superiority, the supremacy of the, the priesthood of Jesus. And then we, as we work out these last couple of chapters, what we're dealing with is the outworking of our faith in Jesus. And last week we dealt with Hebrews chapter 11 and it's often called the, you know, the, the, the heroes of the faith and that sort of thing. But what we're really looking at is, is what do we believe? Where do we stand? Have we put all our hope, like that last song was about, all our hope is in Jesus. Because many times I know that as a pastor, and guess what, you know, 40 years uh, or a little more than that, that, that I've enjoyed this call on my life and realizing that, that you know what, I, I my son and I, y'all know, I mean, Eli's getting ready to say, if y'all haven't heard, you know, he's, he's adulting. He, he, he's going to be adulting for the rest of his life with Lillian. Uh, and so, uh, so we're working. So, so uh, I took him to breakfast yesterday. And we were sitting there and we were talking about the difference between call and vocation. Right? And, and from the time I was 19, when God called me to ministry, I never had a doubt that this is not simply what I'm supposed to do. This is who I am. I can't be different from who God called me to be. And, and has poured in for me to be from the time I was 19 years old, July 20th, 1982, until now. I can't be different than that. This is just who I am. And so as he and I were talking, because, you know, he's working in an electrical field and all that sort of thing. Anyway, we have that conversation. And, and, and as we're talking about it, you know, we start differentiating this idea about, well, what is it you're supposed to do? Well, who gets to decide what you're supposed to do? Guess what? God does. 
And you may not be standing behind a lectern or a pulpit or something like that, but wherever you are, if you belong to Jesus, God has called you for his kingdom's sake wherever you are. Okay? So the outworking of our faith looks like this because chapter 12 begins with the word therefore. So you got to know what it's there for. We've just looked at the heroes of the faith where we went through all of chapter 11 and it just lists all of these people who lived their lives and acted in their lives on faith. And we read back over the hundreds and thousands of years and go, well, of course Abraham left his people and went to a place he didn't know where he was going. Really? Of course, I mean, do we, is that, that we read it historically and understand what God's telling us about it. But do you know what it must have been like for God to have impressed upon Abraham and spoken to Abraham to say, leave your home and your family and get out and go. And I'm not telling you where yet. Right? That was a step of faith. So then I look at us as in, in the body of Christ today and I go, all right, well, how much of our lives are dependent on our faith? Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd, cloud, crowd and cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter. I hate that translation of it because I memorized author and finisher pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy that lay before him he endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up in struggling against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons my son do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God's dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. <laughs> Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live <laughs> pray with me father i want to thank you and i want to praise you again this morning for the blessing of just just being able to to walk and talk with you this relationship that you've offered us and you've you've provided for and, and that you have accomplished in the shed blood of jesus christ that we might be redeemed god that we might be regenerated that we we might have fellowship with our creator and so, God, I thank you that this morning we gather not because it's time, not because it's what we're supposed to do, but, God, because you've given us an opportunity to walk and talk with you all week long, and we get to come together on Sunday mornings for this kind of fellowship that we can encourage each other and that we can be encouraged. So, God, hear our hearts this morning. But more importantly than that, God, let us hear you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Interestingly, I, I listened to uh, J. Vernon McGee this week. Anybody know J. Vernon McGee? Okay, so I listened to him this week. He's, uh, he was preaching on this particular passage, and I was driving. So I decided, no, I was running. This was my Tuesday, 
Tuesday runs. I was listening to this. And, and interestingly, as, as, as he was breaking it down, it, it's, he admitted something that I also admitted. You know, I looked at this and it says, therefore, which is pointing back to the, the, the faith, those who, who uh, uh, gave evidence of their faith by the lives they led. Okay, that's what this therefore is referring to. Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses, this idea of, of the people that he mentions in chapter 11 being witnesses... And this is surrounding us. And so, you know, I always thought, you know, I, I remember as a young Christian and as a young person studying God's Word and all this sort of thing, I started looking at that and I thought, okay, so, so these folks are, are watching us. And then I came to this realization that if my grandma, who is a believer and was a believer and died, and she was the, the Sunday that I was, all right, so 15 years old, I preached the first time ever in church. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, all I was denying that God was calling me to ministry. I preached on 1 Samuel, and I preached on God's call. And then everybody that came up to me after that 15-year-old message that I preached came up and said, don't you believe God's calling you to ministry? I said, no. So then people who, got, who wanted to press the issue would say, well, why? And I'd say, because I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do to get rich, but that was my goal in life at that point, right? Well, four years later, after running a bit and, and trying to avoid what God was obviously trying to do in my life, I surrendered. That's the best word for it. I, All right, God, you mean, you, you've been after me, right? And then I thought about it, this cloud of witnesses. Does that include my faithful grandmother, who, who was the only person? That Sunday I preached on Samuel, and I stepped down front, and we sang 14 verses of Just As I Am. Hmm. Y'all didn't know they're 14, did you? But yeah. Anyway, so I stood there, and one person walked down the aisle that Sunday, and it was my grandma. Well, I knew my grandma was a Christian. She was a believer. She had faithfully led her family and taught Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. And, and she walked from the back there, and she was difficult walking. She was a big lady, and so she came down, and, and she just prayed. And she said, I just want to be obedient to God. And I thought, well, if she's in the grandstands, which is what this seems to, to promote, she's in the grandstands of heaven watching all of us, and she sees me fail? She sees me do wrong? What does that do to her in heaven? Don't you imagine that would cause her grief? So I don't believe she can see me. I don't believe she's paying attention to me. I don't believe. Now, this, this might set some of y'all off, but remember, if you get mad at me, you got to forgive me right after. I don't believe our loved ones are looking down on us. There's no tears in heaven. There's no grieving in heaven. There's no pain there. So what is this, this witnesses surrounding us? These are those who have lived their faith as examples to us. This word witnesses comes from the Greek word martus, from which we get the word martyr. You see? Translate it any way you want to. I, the writer of Hebrews is not talking in my opinion. Now, others believe differently because I've heard preachers preach on it. I don't think God's talking about the, the, the grandstand of heaven to watch us. Remember in the ninth grade when I was really, really sick, every doctor that came in my room thought I was going to go see Jesus. 
in the ninth grade, and my mom and dad were broken about it and everything, and I was in intensive care and in a coma and all this kind of stuff. And my mom tells me that, and she may be watching. Hey, Mom. Uh, she tells me, she said, you know, she said, I told Jesus during that time that if I couldn't talk to you, he could. So while I was in a coma, she was telling Jesus some things she wanted me to know. See? See, so so here's the question that I think this chapter really points out. Or or not the question. I think I think this is what God wants us to understand here. Is that this journey that we on we're on, this walk that we have, our faith living it out in our everyday lives. You see? We have the example of those who have gone before us. I have my grandmother. I have others in my family that I know lived out their faith and and I was a child watching them live out their faith. And they are witnesses to me of what it means to live out a life of faith as are all of those in chapter 11. And so this cloud of witnesses that we see are the ones who have gone before us and have given us example of what it means to live our faith. Then he says this, and here you go. Let us lay aside every hindrance, every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And, and this is interesting because, you know, having run for 40 years and I ran Tuesday, you know, I, I, I don't, I see some, some of you guys are in the, have, have been and are in the military. I see some of you guys running the bridge with a backpack on that goes directly against Hebrews 12, <laughs> 1. Right? You lay aside the weight that, that uh, uh, hinders, that, 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 that we struggle against. You, you lay aside the sin, the sin. What sin? Now that's a reference back to the previous chapters. What was the sin that the Hebrew writer is writing about? Uh, he talks about, he said, don't, don't, don't fall into unbelief as in the days of rebellion. He's not talking about the rebellion. He's talking about the sin of unbelief. So, so lay aside the weight that hinders your walk with Jesus and lay aside the sin of unbelief. What did they do in the days of rebellion? They said, well, God's not God. God can't do, even though they saw him part the Red Sea. They saw him, you know, send manna and birds and everything. And yet they still didn't believe that he could give them the land of promise. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. I mean, this is the whole message of Hebrews 12. This is what this is about right here. To press on. To keep on. To not stop. See, I quit running a couple of years ago. Because I've, I've got a hurt knee, a hurt foot, got hurt back. Anyway, quit running. Guess what? When I quit running, guess what started hurting? My lungs. I wasn't getting the workout I used to get, breathing. So I started running again. So Tuesday morning, I went down to, uh, I forgot where I was running. Anyway, 
That's a product of birthdays. So here you go. Anyway, I thought, well, I'll just run two miles and I'll walk two miles. So I was running and at the two mile mark, I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. So I kept running, kept running, ran three miles. I thought, okay, I'm going to keep going. I kept running, running. Ended up running four and a half miles. I got to the end of that and I was like, my knee was killing me. Right? But what was the point? Here's the point. I parked. I remember I was at Kiwanis Park. That's where I parked, at the park park. I parked at the end of the track. And I ran and did loops around the baseball field and loops around the baseball field. Ran all the way to the other end of the track. Guess what you got to do if you run out and back? You got to get back. So by the time I got back to my car, it was four and a half miles. And I was like, whew. I did the whole four and a half miles. Folks, where, where, where is this race that the writer's talking about here? Well, what is the finish line? The keep our eyes on Jesus. Guess what? The finish line is where Jesus is. He's the author and finisher, perfecter. He's the one who who has accomplished our salvation. And so that's the target we're running to. Man, see, that that's the point. We're running to win the race. And guess what? Yes, I hate to say it, but salvation is just like Little League these days. If you get to the end and you run faithfully, you'll get a trophy. Right? You get a participant straight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we didn't get those when I was a kid. Thank goodness. So, so we run to win the race. We get to the end. And there is a reward for, for faithfully running the race. I mean, you think about it. You go back to verse, I mean, chapter 11. All these guys. Abel. Enoch. Noah, Abraham, Sarah. You know, he gives that list and you see their, their steps of faith. You see their mistakes too because God gives it to us in his word how, how they, you know, Sarah's sitting behind the tent curtain laughing. Abraham lying, going into Egypt. We see their failures, but we see their lives ultimately as this faithful journey to the end. Then, you ready? Here's what we don't like to talk about. Well, let me finish that text right there. It says, For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus finished the work. Jesus did what had to be done. And then verse 3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. I like that the writer's saying this. He's saying, look, we, we're, we're alive in the Roman Empire, and guess what? We, we, we are suffering certain persecutions, but guess what? If you're able to read this, you're not dead yet. Right? And then I think about some of the, what, shall we call it persecution that we as Christians face? How about just ridicule? Lack of respect. You know what? I hadn't had anybody yet hit me 
because I trust Jesus. Just hasn't happened yet. Now, there are places in the world where a lot worse than that happens, but that's what he's saying. He says, look, he says, uh, in struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, and you have not, you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as a son. He says, my son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. So how many of you, how many of us can know and, and, and proclaim that, that we've suffered Because what he's going to define here is that our suffering should be viewed as discipline. When you face hardship, consider it as discipline. And I thought, wait a minute. Discipline's when you get what you get when you misbehave. When you do the wrong thing. Now, what he's encouraging us to is to do the right thing by our faith and yet still suffer. Well, you had not suffered to the point of blood yet. But he says, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as son. So if we encounter suffering in this life, then what is the discipline that this is referring to? Is this God spanking us? Or is this discipline the refining process? Do you know, uh, I ran five marathons in my life. Won't run another one, I promise. I ran three after I turned 40 because young people were, young people were, uh, let me find it here, hostile. Young, young people were ridiculing. I was suffering under the ridicule of young people when I turned 40. So I... There was a young lady, Her she married a pastor in Alabama. Her name was Kim. We ran the Baltimore Marathon together, and I smoked that girl. <laughs> but I had to train to do it. I had to discipline my body to run 26.2 miles. That's the discipline we're referring to here. The refining, the training. So when we face hardship for doing the right thing, you know, let the hardship, let the struggle be the discipline of our father. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who disciplined us. We respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? It's interesting, you know, 40 years of ministry. Um, there, were, there were guys that I went to Bible college with. There were friends of mine that, that we grew up, quote, in church together, right? Who by their own admission in these days, in our later lives, have no faith. I go, well, I still believe. But I'm not whatever. And then you fill it in yourselves. Nick has said this on several occasions that I've heard him. Being a Christian is simple, but not easy. See, God has redeemed us by the shed blood 
of Jesus Christ. We have been given salvation. What is our response to what God has accomplished? Do we devote ourselves to the, to the journey? Do we devote ourselves to the race? Do we devote ourselves to the discipline? You see, God is making us, transforming us into the image of His Son. I've been writing about this these, these days. If you do the gathering in the Word devotional, whether you watch the video or read it or whatever, <clears throat> I've been writing about God's work in us to produce maturity, fullness, to, 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 to produce a body of Christ of health. To do that, guess what? God's working on us as individuals, as parts of the body of Christ for kingdom health. I look around the world today and I see, see so much distraction. Christians being distracted. Folks who, who at some point in their lives have, have surrendered themselves to Jesus and yet let other things distract them. I see whole church structures get distracted by things of the world. I see whole denominational structures get distracted by the things of the world. Right? So what is it that we're supposed to focus on? We're to, to fix our eyes on Jesus who has authored and finished our faith. He's finished the work. So what is our response to that? Our response is, is that I'm going to live my life for him, not for me. I'm going to live my life for him, not for you. I want my life, just scripturally, I'm not talking about me personally. We as followers of Jesus should want our lives to be a testimony of faithfulness, not because we, we're going to get some trophy at the end, but because God has done so much to love us and to redeem us and to make us his. You see? Man. I love the conversations I get to have every week just because, you know, I'm Pastor Bobby. People want to talk to Pastor Bobby. If it was just Bobby, people would go, oh, People want to talk to Pastor Bobby. It's interesting. Conversations. Conversations in which I get to keep pointing to the Word of God. I get to keep pointing to the, to the, to the person of God, the persons of God. I get to keep pointing to Jesus. I get to keep pointing to our Father. I get to keep pointing to the Spirit of God that, that fills in, pours into us, filling us and making us different, making us more. Endure suffering is discipline. God is dealing with us as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? Where are you headed? What's the finish line? See, Jesus, the, I love it. The, the, the other translations, well, I'm not so happy with this one. But the idea is he is the finisher of our faith. He is the finish line. He is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He's our Savior. He's Lord. And He's also a friend who sticks closer than a brother.
What's your goal? Now, here you go. You ready? Not that goal when we leave this life, but what's your goal today? This leg of the race. Guess what? It's still Jesus. It's still fixing my eyes on Him so that today I run this leg of the race toward Him, for Him. The testimony of faith. You see, that's what this is about. So do we have to endure? Yeah. Yeah. We have to keep running. We have to run the hills. We have to run the valleys. We have to run in the rain. We have to run in the sunshine. You have to run when 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 they're slower people in front of you. Sorry. No, that was a real running statement. Sorry. You know, when you start out on a road race, everybody's like this. And people are in the way. And I'm just like, get out of the way. I want to go faster than you. Right? Not anymore. Now I'm the one people behind me going, get out. Run the race. Keep running the race. Fix your eyes on the finisher. You see, that's the encouragement of God. That's the encouragement of the object of our faith, which is Jesus. Okay. We're going to, I've already outlined the first three months of next year for where we're going to be. Let me ask you all this question. Uh, For the longest time, I never told anybody what I was preaching on Sundays. Just never did. Now, if we started a book, I'd work my way through the book, but I never told anybody any of that. And then we got all these young pastors on staff, and and they all wanted to know, what are you preaching? So I started producing a chart that had the the date, the title, the text, the three points of the outline, and the point. Right? So then, guess what? All of a sudden, children's ministry and Sunday school teachers and everybody wants to know what I'm preaching. So let me ask y'all. Y'all want to know ahead of time? I'm just curious. Anybody wanting to know the outline before we get there? I'm just curious. We're going to be in Hebrews. You want to be good students? Go ahead and start studying ahead. By the end of March, I think we get into chapter 5. It's going to be a much slower progression in next year. We want to look at all of the parts. All righty? I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, One of the reasons why I enjoy who I am is because I get to share the excitement that God gives me in His Word. Keep running. Keep running. All righty. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you need Jesus. If you don't know Him, we want to introduce you to Him. If you've never trusted Jesus for salvation and redemption, then then we want to explain that to you. Maybe you got some churchianity. (laughs) You know how I feel about that. If you need Jesus, we want you to meet Him. Maybe you know Jesus, but the world is is a lot of distraction for you. 
Well, that's where we're supposed to fix our eyes on Him. Maybe you want to be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. We're going to sing one more song. This is your opportunity to respond to God. You're not responding to me. You're not responding to the gathering. If God has... God's poked you in some way. Respond to Him, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today and all that you are accomplishing in us, but God, all that you're accomplishing in our midst. God, you want to do things. As a matter of fact, God, you are doing things. The great challenge of this message is, is are we joining you in what you're doing? Are we surrendered to you? And then the bigger word, are we obeying you? God, help us to be your sons. Help us to receive the struggle and the discipline as refining, as encouragement. God, help us to move forward every day toward our goal, toward our finisher, toward Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.